Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm Marty Forbes. I'm the president of RadioWise, Inc., based in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and I do media and uh, digital marketing. You want to be as unique as you possibly can. I mean, if, there, if there's 10 podcasts out there similar to yours, find a way to make yours different. What, what is it that makes yours special? Podcast1.com, if you ever check that one, there's 130 million downloads a month on that thing. And it, it goes up every single month. And it's an aggregate site. So there's everything, there's comedy, sports, whatever. If yours is good and you get on one of those things, you can have worldwide coverage very, very quickly. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? Share your knowledge. The one thing about Twitter and Facebook, it is all about sharing. If you have a good story, proudly say, I've got a great podcast. If you want to learn about this, please share. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Well, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm your host, Marvin Polis. Not joining me this time is our co-host, Fred Keating. I'm in Edmonton, Canada today, and Fred is on the other side of the Rocky Mountains in Vancouver, Canada. He's chasing down some other interviews. Well, as I said, I'm in Edmonton, and why is that? Because, well, Edmonton is one of our favorite places. There are just so many people here in the arts industry, as well as media executives as well, and I'm fortunate to be sitting at the kitchen table of one such person today. Say hello, Marty. <laughs> hello, Marvin. And our listeners. Marty, tell us about your background. I'm from a radio family. Uh, my father uh, started a radio station here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada in 1955. And all three uh, of his sons uh, fell into the business as well. Uh, I spent 38 years in programming radio stations across Canada, Toronto, Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton. And I uh, have a brother's morning man in Calgary and another one who spent most of his career in uh, Vancouver. And uh, I like to say we never had Christmas, we had conventions. I retired about eight years ago and uh, started up my own media consulting company focused on where digital is going. Now, why would you want to do that? <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those early adapters. I always like to figure out where technology is and how it applies to media. And you simply can't be a good program director if you're not monitoring what's going on with what I call lifestyle groups and you know what their interests are. Down in the U.S., I'm fortunate enough to be uh, able to attend conferences that uh, really haven't been established in Canada like they have in, in uh, the United States, focused on the changing between traditional radio and digital radio and digital media. So I get to ha kind of hang out with some leaders down there and bring back that knowledge and work with clients in Canada. So you're somebody who really has been around the block with respect to the traditional radio industry. How do you apply that then to your consulting practice? Really it is knowing what lifestyle groups are all about and separating them into demographics. I mean, the higher demographic still is, is into, you know, flashing VCRs and wanting to hold the newspaper. The middle demographic are, are what I call the, the moderates have some use of digital media, but, but still go back to some of their mainstay. And then the digital kids, the kids that don't use any traditional radio, television, or newspaper. And I have to go back to clients to tell them, you know, how you complement digital into it. It isn't one versus the other. It's making sure that you're speaking to each of these demographics in their own comfort zone and their own comfort language. So that's basically what I do. Fantastic. Now, our listeners tend to be at the younger end of that spectrum. They're just getting into their careers or maybe they're a little bit 
distance into their careers and they're looking for some advice. Now, what advice can you give them as they see this transition happening from the traditional world of radio to what we have now with all of the digital media? And they're thinking maybe, how is radio even relevant? You may even agree with that. Well, I, I use radio to reach people because there still is a great number uh, of people who listen to local radio station all the time. But I sent my messages getting shorter and shorter all the time. I have one client, our longest commercial is eight seconds. All I use it on the radio station is, is to direct them to the website where we have invested all of our audio, all of our video, all of the, the ticket links and newsletters. The advice to up-and-comers is be a trailblazer. You cannot make a mistake with digital that you can't fix or learn from. And one of the examples I use with my clients is, you know, five years ago, there was a company, two companies in California that had exactly the same product. It was uh, movies. And one was Blockbuster and one was Netflix. One had a $5 billion year, the other one had nothing. And in that five-year time period, the lifestyle groups have, fl have flipped to put Blockbuster out of business and make uh, Netflix into, it'll be outdated the second I say it, <laughs> five, six, seven billion dollar company all over the world. And that took somebody with innovation to walk in and go, I have an idea. I have something new and have the company go, yeah, we're willing to risk this. And nowadays, Blockbuster's gone. They're absolutely gone. That's, that's the perfect study of lifestyle. And if you, if you use it and look back, you sometimes laugh at the, at the <laughs> going, okay, so I used to get a call from the wife, middle of winter, drive, go pick up this movie, drive through the snow, get there, find out the seven copies are gone. Then the next phone call is, what else do you want? Search through the whole store, watch it and do the same thing the next day, or hit one button on my computer wherever I am and watch the Netflix movie. Now, what does this tell you actually about the future of audio programming? Because I know a lot of our listeners have an interest in pursuing that, and maybe back Back in the day, they might have been interested in becoming radio show hosts or news reporters, perhaps, on radio stations. And I know you have a particular interest in podcasting because podcasting is actually starting to give radio a run for its money. Absolutely. Podcasting is growing in the States at a phenomenal rate. And, and again, innovation changes the rules. Down there, all the new vehicles are, are now coming with what's called in-dash digital. You can drive around all of North America listening to a Pandora account or your Spotify account. It's just coming into Canada in that vein. And lifestyle groups, the same thing down there, are looking at powerful vehicles like a smartphone now has a huge amount of memory. You now have Wi-Fi and you're in a lot of vehicles so you can download something that is of interest and have it there for wherever you want to use that podcast so if you're stuck in a traffic jam in Cleveland or you know your drive to get to work is a 45 minute drive and you turn on your local radio station and it is not speaking of something of interest, you just pop on that podcast and away you go. Podcasts are growing, I call it permission-based. You know, we're now, I'm a motorcyclist and I subscribe to every single thing in the world. I get a dozen emails a day on motorcycles and sometimes that's not enough because I don't want to miss anything in that field. So I've given motorcycle people the opportunity to, to bother me at any time. You cannot over-email me. And by doing that now, this is the way podcasts are growing when people have followed or joined a certain podcast or want to know about travel, cooking, whatever. And traditional media generally can't have you consume length. You know, everything in traditional media is short. 
you've got a 90 second business report that goes on the news station here you want to have more you go to the podcast and catch the three minute four minute five minute version because you're trying to consume that knowledge they're also non-regulated and in a lot of countries there are things you can and can't do in traditional media whereas there's none in podcasting and the one that that, that i'm working with jungle talk on podbean is a perfect example the traditional broadcasters cannot ask these sports guys certain questions. They can't be critical. They can't ask them about their lives and, and some of their other beliefs because they're all sanctioned by the broadcast rights or management. Jim Jerome is my host. He's a comedian by trade and a media guy. But his best friends are Wayne Gretzky and Dave Semenko and, and uh, Marty McSorley, great longtime NHL guys. So we're going to speak to these guys about what their lives are like, what their kids are like. Did they follow them? You know, things that are interesting from a listener's standpoint, because the statistics have all been done, you know, till the cows come home. And for the hockey fans out there around the world, they definitely have your permission to interrupt them with your podcast, it's not an interruption. We were just saying the other day, on July 1st, they have uh, Free Agent Frenzy, and there's like a 12-hour broadcast on every radio station and every television station to highlight that in the middle of the summer. Absolutely, we Canada is hockey. Now, I think it's really, really instructive to consider that back in the day when you were starting out your career, nobody was going to give you a radio station. Nobody was going to give you a radio station with an international, worldwide footprint and say, here, Marty, talk about whatever you want to talk about. No rules. But you can do this today. Absolutely. And, and you want to be as unique as you possibly can. I mean, if, there, if there's 10 podcasts out there similar to yours, find a way to make yours different. What, what is it that makes yours special? Podcast1.com, if you ever check that one, there's 130 million downloads a month on that thing. And it, it goes up every single month. And it's an aggregate site. So there's everything. There's comedy, sports, whatever. If yours is good and you get on one of those things, it can have worldwide coverage very, very quickly. In fact, there was a posting that you put on your LinkedIn profile recently. And it, it covered off some of the podcasting stats. And I found it really interesting to learn that about 21% of Americans are already listening to podcasts. About half of Americans know what podcasting is. And that 57 million Americans, if you add that up and put it into actual numbers, are listening to podcasts on a monthly basis. What does this tell you about the opportunity for our listeners? Well, for, you know, I think you have to look at, at the why first. Radio often follows television technology. And in TV, we have trained everybody now that you don't have to watch live television anymore. You can find just about everything on the internet and on demand. And that same type of thing is now happening with, with podcasting. So that, you know, if it goes on the radio, it's, it's out and gone generally if it's live programming. With a podcast, and it's extensions of things like that. So if there's something hot going on, if there's a major story with a Google search, and you're looking for podcasts that are, you know, traveling Europe, you can find just this massive amount of information and go to it. So that, that's the important part is knowing that the growth is because of the demand for more information, more entertainment, more things for people to learn from your podcast. So I think that you would agree that the opportunities are really endless for those listeners who really want to become producers. Absolutely. There, you know, there are no rules for these things other than length and understanding 
what your listeners want. That's one thing I'm really big on is engagement. You know, asking for feedback. How long is a is a good podcast? There is no answer to that. A good podcast is just how good the podcast is. It's not the length of the podcast. The more creative you are with it, the more innovative, the, the higher you can get a piece of interest or somebody to speak that has never been spoken to in public. We were talking the other day, gosh, nobody, Gordy Howe died before anybody got to ask him a podcast. I can imagine how amazing that podcast would be and would last for life. And for those of you who aren't Canadian, Gordy Howe was a very famous, very, very talented Canadian hockey player. That's correct. Yeah. A, a, a hockey god. <laughs> Marty, something that I wanted to talk about was this whole idea of podcasts and production quality and how that relates to the credibility of your message and the credibility of you as a producer. What do you want to say about that? I'll use a bit of a television analogy. And again, the upper demographic are the guys that started out watching very small black and white TVs. And as we age, they got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Whereas the younger demographic are watching almost everything on, on a, a cell phone. And you'll never hear them complain unless the quality is horrible. With a podcast, absolutely, you want to have the best possible clarity. But if you have a few odd flaws that are human, there's sound effect that goes by, or my motorcycle, if a guy starts a motorcycle up, that, that kind of helps the thing. So be conscious of it. Try for purity. But if it's in the you know, spur of the moment and something that's going to pop up, don't worry about it too too badly unless it's really, really harsh and they want to turn it off. If your host is credible, if your questions are credible and it's a good one, they'll tolerate a little bit of a quality problem, but strive for the best. So a little bit of imperfection is okay, but just don't annoy people. That's exactly correct. And you know, Marty, there are a lot of really popular podcasts out there. And one that really shines is Serial, of course. Serial has about a million listeners per episode. So I think this really draws attention to how big the opportunity can be, again, for those of our listeners who want to get into that sort of production venture. To use a bit of an analogy, I mean, the last amazing race was uh, 12 people who are influencers on social media. And they were very smart and put their handles underneath all the time. And I kept checking going, holy mackerel, this person has 15 million followers on YouTube, for example. I've never heard of this person. So there's a bubbling under that doesn't go on traditional media where there are stars in the genre of digital media. They may not all be on the same platform. Some may be using Instagram, Snapchat. It's, it's whatever their comfort zone is. But yeah, make sure that, that you know, your name is protected, your brand is protected, and you're promoting your brand as such. That's how it's going to work. Now that does kind of bring us to the topic of distribution. What are your recommendations on distribution, and how do you distribute your own podcast? Well, I'm a big Twitter guy. I, I believe Facebook is for family. I believe that, that Twitter is for business. I'm not huge by any stretch of the imagination, but... but uh, you know, 3,300 followers to date. But what I do is I use influencers. When I'm looking for a certain topic that I know that I want to distribute in that type of information, I will look for a friend or a contact who has a good Twitter following to say, hey, Bob, would you mind retweeting this or would you send this out? And then I use TweetReach, which, which measures how far those things go. And one I did with, a, there was a massive fire in Northern Alberta about a month ago. And I did one little tweet with two words, enough said. It was a picture. And that was the Fort McMurray fire, right? 
that was the Fort McMurray fire. I mean, it was a worldwide story. It was a huge fire. An entire, they emptied the town of a city of 90,000 people. I tweeted this thing and then checked my tweet reach, and it's tweetreach.com, and it'll do any one of these, any uh, tweet that you have done. And there was over half a million retweets and views of that in less than two hours. So that's, that's how distribution works in the digital world. You, you send the tweet out, you try to do it a number of times per week. A lot of people just send it at one time and are afraid of offending people. <laughs> send it out in different time parts. Send it out in the morning one day, evening the next day, weekend. Use a Hootsuite, use some form of distribution so that that's getting out. Freshen the intro from time to time. But it, you can do the greatest podcast in the world if it's not getting distributed on the various platforms. You've wasted your time. Well said. You know, Marty, we're just about up on time, but before we sign off, are there any other words of advice that you would like to give to our listeners who are really interested in pursuing a career with their creative talents? I think the biggest piece of advice is find mentors, find people who have good followings on Twitter. Amy Jo Martin is on Twitter. She's the one that developed the whole uh, Shaquille O'Neal thing at the beginning of Twitter. And she has over a million followers. She speaks all over the world. I follow her religiously. I look for a lot of the sports guys that have huge followers. I track them and, and I use you know what I learn from those. Share your knowledge. The one thing about Twitter and Facebook is it, it is all about sharing. If you have a good story, proudly say, I've got a great podcast. If you want to learn about this, please share, please retweet. That's how Twitter and, and, and the sharing aspect of social media makes them uh, well-established. And where can our listeners learn more about you and about your podcast? I'm on Twitter. Please follow me at, at MJ Forbes. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook as well as Marty Forbes. And uh, our podcast is jungletalk.podbean.com. And it's Jungle Jim Jerome. It's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. He's, he, he's the kind of guy that, that has the fastest wit and will ask questions that you'll, just, you'll be on the floor laughing at this guy actually had the courage to ask this question. So it's a very good podcast. Great. Well, all you hockey fans out there, you'll have to check that out. Thanks for joining us, Marty. Well, I'm honored. I mean, it's, it's like you say, there's not very often that you get an opportunity to talk about a passion in, uh, in traditional media. It just doesn't have the length, whereas podcasting and this type of relationship is the way we all learn. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity.